Good morning. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Hey, Mom. Uh, <laughs> my name is Ryan Jackson. I'll be uh, graduating this year from the Magnet Schools in Scotch Plains, and I'll be going to Rutgers next year. Um, there's a lot of people here. Uh, <laughs> so today we're reading from uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5, and I'll be doing the first verse and a half, and we'll be talking about faith. So I just want to read that again. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That's a lot in that little verse. Um, but I feel like it can be broken into three main and interconnected parts. You see, first, we're justified through our faith in Jesus Christ. And through our justification, we find peace with God. And once we have peace with the Lord, we have complete and total access to him. So... Just to start us off, I think we'll start with justification. And uh, Psalm 15 reads, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord. Now, I know I don't belong in God's tent if those are the qualifications. I know I don't belong anywhere near his mountain, um, and I'd be willing to bet that we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners, and we don't deserve it. But we don't, we're justified, and we don't need to keep renewing our justification. Um, Paul tells us in, in this verse that we have been justified. It's in the past tense. He doesn't tell us, you know, we will be justified, or we're being justified, or we can justify ourselves. He says we have been justified through faith. And so it, it can't be that easy. I mean, people tell me all the time that, oh, a, a Christian acts like this, or a Christian doesn't do that. But no, our, our freedom and our redemption are guaranteed because even when we aren't constantly good, Jesus is. And you see, our salvation is certain because we have literally nothing to do with it. It comes to us by God's grace and his grace alone, and lucky for us, that's a constant. We can't save ourselves, and no amount of sacrifices or giving things up for Lent is going to change that. And so, after all is said and done, Jesus died so that we can stand firm in confidence in his salvation, which comes only through faith in his sacrificial love. And so after we've found this salvation, we can move into a new peace with God. Uh, Webster's Dictionary defines peace as a state of mutual harmony between people or groups, especially in personal relations. It's, it's not just, you know, some feeling of tranquility or zen or some nirvana you, it's a literal peace with God. And the immediate question that comes to my mind is if we only find peace through justification, what did we have before? And I think that's chaos. Um, God's plan is kind of like a symphony. And when you're out of tune, you're just kind of making noise. Uh, when I was in fourth grade, I tried to learn to play the saxophone. And uh, any of you parents who have younger kids, you will definitely understand this. Um, my friend and I used to stand on the street corner, and we, we would play as loud as we could because we thought that's what all good jazz musicians did. <laughs> and we were absolutely horrible, so we made up for it by playing even louder. And uh, um, 
it was so much fun, but the problem was I was totally oblivious to whatever was going on around me because we were making so much noise. And not only that, but all our neighbors couldn't concentrate on anything because we were just like being ridiculous. Um, but in lots of ways, the chaos of our life does the same thing. You know, soccer practice or dance class or AP tests always get in the way of coming to church or thinking about God, and we pack our days to the breaking point. So, you know, by the time we're going to bed, we're so exhausted, we don't even notice that we forgot to bring our faith with us. We fill our lives with so much noise that we completely fail to see the beauty of what God's doing in our lives around us. And... Whoops. <laughs> uh, but you see, the cool thing about an orchestra is if you just listen to like the cello part or something like that, it's not going to make any sense. It might sound weird or awkward by itself. But when you put it all together, it's amazing and it's beautiful. And you see, when we're at peace with God, our lives are used for God's perfect and good plan. And even though we might be weird or awkward, when we're put into that bigger plan and you know, we're kind of just an instrument in the orchestra. We're part of something really beautiful. And so, now that we're at peace with God, we're not standing on the street corner and distracting everyone else from what he's doing. We're a part of it, and we're making it more recognizable to everyone else around us. And so, now that we're working in harmony for God's plan, we have access to him. And it, it kind of strikes me that we've come almost full circle. In, when we were in Eden, we had perfect access to God. We could walk with him and talk with him, and we could feel him and see his face. And then sin came into the world. And it, God can't tolerate sin. He's holy and perfect, and it's kind of like trying to put two positive sides of a magnet together. You can push and push, but God just can't come anywhere near sin. Um, in Exodus 24, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. We weren't even able to approach the Lord when we were, when we were full of sin. And we were told to worship at a distance. The people had to worship from the base of the mountain, which I think kind of is awesomely reminiscent of Psalm 15. But then in Ephesians, it says that, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so even though our sin has forced us to be far away from God, God says, no, that's not good enough for me. I want to walk with you again. I want you to see my face and talk to me, and I want a relationship with you. So he sent Christ. And when Christ died, the veil was torn, and God was telling us that we don't need to stand off anymore. But after all this, we still try to worship at a distance. We kind of clean up before we go talk to God, and we say, you know, oh no, God, I, I'm good. I got this. You know, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not sinning. But he knows better than that, and he knows our secrets and our baggage that we've been carrying around all the time. Maybe you've been hurt, and you're still holding on to that anger and hostility, or maybe you've been stuck in one sin for years, and you're just trying to hide it from God. But he he doesn't want that. You know, just saying, nope, everything's good here and flashing a thumbs up doesn't, doesn't help. He, he doesn't want you to put that smile on and pretend it's okay. He wants to know you intimately 
and he wants to change those bad parts in your, li in your life into something better and f something focused on him. So God is willing to meet us where we are and wants us to completely submit ourselves to him, even if it's difficult. Above all else, God wants a relationship with you, and he, he has given us complete and total access to him on earth and in heaven for the rest of forever, and that comes only through salvation that we find in Jesus Christ. What an awesome God we have.